Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And former Assemblyman Phil Goldfeder is on assignment this week. So I will be piloting solo and coming to you on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And welcome to another morning of political talk. And wow, what a week we've had in so many aspects. And I don't even know where to start, but let's just, we'll just take it from the top. I mean, at this point, we are in uncharted political territory. And what I mean here is that there is so much palace intrigue going on in the White House. There's so much going on in Capitol Hill. There are some very momentous things going on that unprecedented, let's put it that way, uh, going on in the headlines as well as internationally, we have just seen an incredible amount of political news surrounding this young presidency. And uh, hopefully we'll have some time to kind of discuss it, unpack it, and go through it. But, you know, I want to do a new thing this week and probably just start off. We call the show Spin Class, and I want to give out kind of that spin award for best spin of the week. And, you know, when I think of spin, when I think of what it means to go out there and kind of put the news in a certain way that it, well, I don't want to say, you know, it's not a lie. Remember, you know, we're talking about spin. You're just trying to shape the news. You're trying to shape the thoughts. But there were, there was one out there that's a real doozy. And, you know, kind of scratch your head and do you think to yourself, did he really say that? Is it really possible that somebody went before the cameras and went into the public domain and said such a thing, that's such a head-scratcher, which is not entirely false, but it's just an incredible amount of spin. And for that, I have a winner this week of the Spin Award, as well as a runner-up. There were two that I saw. Actually, one I might be from last week, but I think it's quite incredible that it happened. And I think the spin runner-up, we'll go runner-up first, was that Governor Andrew Cuomo here of New York was asked when he came on New Day and CNN, his reaction to the firing of Preet Bharara. Now remember, Preet Bharara, the U.S. attorney, and we discussed the fact that he was fired last week. And, you know, I, look, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily buying into the whole Preparara's saint, if you will. Um, now he's safely ensconced in NYU law school. But, you know, he was fired. It did seem that he was going to keep his job, and it was kind of curious, and we'll get into this in a couple of moments. That he was fired kind of right before the announcement that no charges were going to be brought against Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York. But when asked about it, Andrew Cuomo said, and the governor of New York whose own aides, his top aide, his closest aide, Joe Prococo, is going to trial at the hands of the U.S. attorney for corruption, as well as about 10 others, or maybe 7 to 10 others in the Cuomo administration. Cuomo had the guts, and I'll call this guts to spin it and say, you know, I don't really, it's not really following it, right? I mean, this is Governor Cuomo who reads everything. There's a transition from one administration to the next, but beyond that, I haven't followed it. I don't really, I'm not really following what's going on. 
you know, you're going to ask me about the U.S. attorney being fired in New York. And eh, I, I'm not really following it, so I'm not going to comment. Incredible. What you think about it? It's just the the ability to just kind of take that question, internalize it, and then throw it back and say, eh, not a big deal. But it actually pales in comparison to the spin award of the week. And I think that just has to go, and it probably will for many weeks, possibly, if we go at this rate. It's going to go to Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer has just shown the ability to take just about any question, and no matter how much his back is against the wall, and no matter how much he's painted him into a corner, he's able to just deflect or outright come up with those alternative facts, as Kellyanne Conway has deem them and just come up with that ability to say hmm you know no sorry I don't know what you're talking about and that of course was when news came out about Paul Manafort and ties to Russia and the fact that he had contracts with Russia and the fact that he was under surveillance and he as the you know they talked about his ties being uh, to Russia being coming up in the investigation that is going on between the White House or the Trump transition team or the Trump campaign, uh, however you want it. We don't know exactly what the investigation is. We don't know the nature of it. But of course, he was asked about, me and Sean Spicer was asked about Paul Manafort. And Paul Manafort, of course, having been the campaign chairman for a while, essentially the campaign manager after Corey Lewandowski was fired. And for a short time, he was campaign chairman and the de facto campaign manager between Corey Lewandowski and Kellyanne Conway. And there was a shakeup there. Sean Spicer said, well, Paul Manafort only had a limited role for a limited time. Now, if that is not the most incredible piece of spin I have heard coming out of Washington or any official, forget about Washington, at any level, it's just extraordinary that we would have the White House spokesman, the White House press secretary, whose job there, of course, is to defend the president and to defend the White House. But at the same time, I have to say that this gentleman, and I have to admire his skills and his ability to stand before the cameras and do this. He does work for the American people. He is not just the president's spokesman. He's also somebody who speaks for the country, to the country, and is there to promulgate a message on behalf of the country. And at the same time, he's doing this. And, you know, now we'll move on to some general stuff. I'll give Sean Spicer that award. And I'm sure there's going to be many more as we move along. And a lot of people have just you know, kind of said, well, we don't. We just, the audience of one, Sean Spicer has that audience of one. The only person who he's really have in mind when he gets out there in front of the cameras is the president, is whether President Trump is going to be pleased with what he says and pleased with his defense and pleased with how he takes these questions and fights back. And, you know, as uh, as we know, President Trump is a counterpuncher and he wants people to punch back on his behalf. And Sean Spicer has just done it, well, I think quite remarkably, although, you know, we'd have some, we've had some issues with regard to, well, different um, half-truths or alternative facts that you get. 
uh, such as that happened this week with regard to once again with the wiretapping and the unproven, unfounded, and well, you know, you, we don't want to call it a lie, but un, at this point, untrue, because it hasn't been proven to be true. So let's talk about the wiretapping for a second. The wiretapping allegation, and this is now like three weeks old, which is quite incredible because it really overshadowed everything. When you think about it this week, really the president should be having a good week. Okay, Neil Gorsuch, who I think is a stellar, who has shown so far in the hearings that he is a stellar nominee for the Supreme Court. He he is exactly what you would want in a Supreme Court justice if you are a conservative, you're a Republican, and President Trump has elevated him as a nominee to the Supreme Court. The only thing the Democrats can really come up with is, well, you guys, Merrick Garland was also a good nominee, but not even saying that, that this, that should be a great thing for the president to show, hey, you know, I put forward, I'm exactly, I'm keeping the promises that you want. Instead, we are buried in the incredible circus going on around the wiretapping, the phone tapping allegations that President Trump made against former President Obama. And the, the Everybody in the Republicans seem to just say, well, let's get off of that. But it keeps coming back to that. It, it really can't be explained because it's an inexplicable, just the whole motivation, everything about it is just inexplicable. It's just quite incredible that what you have is President Trump just accused President Obama, former president, of a crime. And now he is just trying to, well, they're trying to bury another, now the Republicans are trying to bury it in other news, but they can't bury it because it's such an outrageous allegation. And so now you're basically stuck with having this overshadow pretty much everything. So you have this incredible hearings this past Monday with the head of the NSA and the head of the FBI going before Congress, going before the Intelligence Committee in open forum. And the FBI director debunking, essentially saying that this is untrue. Well, you know, we actually have a new set of facts now in the, the, I say a new category going on in Washington, or maybe in the U.S. in general. We have a new category. We have the idea that something is true until it's proven to be false. Well, we could take it like that. Or it's false until proven to be true. Or it's just an allegation until, and you guys go and figure out whether you can prove that it's true or that it might be true. It, and we've basically crossed the line of the idea that there really is just no set of facts there that everybody can accept one another. And we have open warfare now between um, Democrats and Republicans on the Intelligence Committee, as we saw yesterday from Chairman Devin Nunes uh, going to the White House with well, we don't know because a lot of this information is probably classified, but information that the White House, that the Trump transition may have been surveilled. They may have actually been caught up in having foreign contacts that were caught up in foreign wiretaps. And at the same time, the ranking member, Adam Schiff, called the press conference and said, how can you investigate if you're running to tell the people that you're investigating exactly what's going on as a result of the investigation? And he has a, he has a fair point. But at the same time, just keep in mind that even, even Chairman Nunes, uh, both of California, I should mention, 
even Chairman Nunes basically said that there is no proof whatsoever that President Obama, the previous administration, tapped the phones of Trump Tower, as President Trump has alleged. There is no truth to that. The FBI said there's no truth to that. The NSA said there's no truth to that. The Justice Department, appointed by President Trump, says there's no truth to that. Yet, Sean Spicer and the White House, actually, and, and even President Trump, yesterday, in response to these reports from Devin Nunes, says that, and I like to say Devin Nunes, great name, you know, just case, say it a couple times, it, it kind of grows in you. The President Trump basically says that, oh, I feel vindicated. He's already feeling vindicated about when the guy basically said, well, no, sorry, it's still false. You're still wrong. So we're just at the point that we just don't even know. And then, of course, we have the doozy that Sean Spicer throws out there, courtesy of Andrew Napolitano, Fox News commentator, which Fox themselves debunked. Yeah, the extraordinary thing of Fox News going on television and saying their own commentator there's no basis in truth to his reporting when he said that the British were the ones that were surveilling. The, the British were the ones that were listening into Trump Tower. So it's just, it's just mind-boggling. I know we're going around in circles. We're thinking about this. It's just quite incredible when you, when you want to... You want some sense of normalcy in this administration. You want some sense of that things are actually getting accomplished. But at the same time... They're being overshadowed by these these rabbit holes. Now, of course, you could all say that it's by design, that there is just this idea here. You know, kind of this idea here of Trump says X, and X turns out not to be true. And then you wonder, where did he hear it? And then everybody tries to figure out, well, where did he hear it? What show was it? Was there something out there that he... That he and then everybody wants to say, and then you hire, okay, he heard it on Fox News. He heard it, um, you know, they heard uh, the Judge Napolitano. And then they repeat it. And then, but for the White House to go ahead and give credence, and then for the president at a news conference with another world leader, Angela Merkel, to go ahead and say these allegations with regard to the British, at the same time they were supposed to be apologizing. Well, I don't know. I don't know. One thing we haven't heard in a while is and maybe that means that the, there is some more reality coming out at, at the White House at that level. Is we don't hear much about Mexico paying for the wall. We they talked about the wall. They talked about the wall being built, but I didn't hear that Mexico is going to pay for it. So perhaps that's sinking in <laughs> a little bit. Anyway, we got the outstanding spin of the week. We are now in the uncharted territory of now the first major test. In on Capitol Hill in Congress for this administration, which is the health care repeal, repeal and replace Obamacare. President Trump has been working fast and furiously at lobbying, and he's, you know, he is the deal maker in chief and is trying to coax reluctant Republican House members into voting for the health care repeal. I mean, the one interesting political point of this is that the bill being passed by the House or looking to be passed by the House today or later on is, as many have said, it's just dead in the Senate. It's not going to pass the Senate. They don't have enough Republican votes to pass it. They certainly don't have enough Republican votes. 
Uh, they don't have a vote enough votes overall to get past the filibuster. So even if they, so they can't even go that route. And they, you know, if they go through reconciliation, I think it's unamendable. So therefore, they have a problem. And so why should several, quite a few Republicans in the House go ahead and take this risky vote or what's a potentially risky vote? For them, if that bill is not even going to survive, why are they pushing that? And, you know, the one thing we're learning here, and perhaps that, um, and the president has been effective of calling different members to the White House, to the Oval Office, and coaxing them and saying, we need your vote on this. You almost feel that he, he does have, well, not you almost feel, I do feel that he has good negotiating skills. I do think that he has that ability to go ahead and deal one-on-one or even in one groups and deal with uh, members of Congress and trying to get an agenda done when he's focused on it. The problem is, is all these other issues that come up, The just the unbelievably careless and when i'll talk it just it's just careless the carelessness of the administration overall with some of these claims and it goes back well it goes back you know quite some time you know to you know the jersey city 9-11 and the 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 three million undocumented immigrants voting and the voter fraud in new hampshire it's just you know we just go on and on or or did ted cruz's father kill kennedy it's just he tends to overshadow himself and get himself into trouble with this this alternative reality that he creates and then pursues it over and over. But as far as effectiveness, I mean, let's say that he has been pretty effective, meaning the president and the White House has been pretty effective in bringing uh, Republican votes along where there had been and not. Now, what's actually sticking, the sticking point here for passage of the health care bill seems to be the conservatives, the most conservative members of the House, the House Freedom Caucus. It's not the moderates that you would have thought um, as a, in general, as a group. Uh, quite a few of the moderates have come along, although not everybody. Um, but you have to, they don't have a big margin for error, and they need the House Freedom Caucus. And the interesting thing here is that the Koch brothers announced that they will protect any Republicans who oppose the health care bill because they're opposed to it and they feel it's Obamacare light and they don't want to go ahead and pass it. So we have this situation now that President Trump has actually went to Capitol Hill and threatened that House members are going to lose their seats. Now, he didn't say that he's going to personally campaign against them. And I kind of doubt that that would actually happen, that he would spend the political capital to go ahead and try and unseat individual members uh if you do recall during the primary season he actually did support the challenger or at least tried to support the challenger to paul ryan that was a little bit of an electoral disaster uh, everybody ended up watching that primary in wisconsin against paul ryan uh and that didn't work but w- it's hard to know exactly what he's gonna do he is feeling emboldened of course on the senate side that there are so many re- vulnerable democrats um to go ahead and has no they they've threatened that but let's talk about unfounded for a second let's just talk about uh two things that i just 
one of them relates actually to Donald Jr. Um, and you can see one of the one of the just truly uh, well, I, I just think quite incredible uh, things here that the son of the president can go ahead and tweet and criticize the mayor of London because the mayor of London months ago had gone ahead and wrote in an article that said that big cities need to be prepared for terrorism and they need to prepare and they need to they they need to consider that being a target is a fact of life now for some reason i assume he didn't read the article um which of course i probably a lot of people didn't read the article because it wasn't like something that i i didn't read it until afterward but donald trump jr who of course is dissociated from politics has nothing to do with politics doesn't speak to his father about politics his father doesn't speak to him about business of course it's a total chinese wall decided to tweet in the wake yesterday of the london attacks instead of expressing his sympathy with the people of london decided inexplicably Inexplicably, I, I, I cannot figure out why to criticize Sadiq Khan, Mayor Sadiq Khan of London, for this article and taking out of context and basically saying we have to live with terrorism. Now, that wasn't what the article said. And if you would have read it, it would have been obvious that it didn't say. Now, of course, I didn't read it beforehand, so I wasn't sure. So I didn't read it until I saw the tweet from Don Donald Trump Jr. But it's just, and instead of apologizing afterward, he just basically said, I'm not going to explain every tweet and defend every tweet. Now, that's a problem when you are actually going ahead and tweeting about something and you are not reading it first. And it's kind of like the White House repeating Andrew Napolitano's claims about the British eavesdropping when they are not actually, they don't, they are, that when Fox has already disavowed that eavesdropping, you don't do it because the underlying item is not true. So therefore you don't do it. But that's actually the funnier part of it is that last week, and we had that last week, the Trump White House website linked to an article, which was actually satire. On its daily briefing page, they linked to a satirical Washington Post opinion article that criticizes the Trump budget. And so on the 1600 Daily Update, they linked to a critical article of the president and basically said, well, I mean, and there were some great lines in there, I will say, the and it was the, the title, the Trump budget makes perfect sense and will fix America, and I will tell you why. Now, that sounds great. But you got to read it. You got to read the content. You got to see what's inside. And one of them is clean rivers and breathable air are making us soft and letting the Chinese and the Russians get the jump on us. We must go back to the America that was great when the air was full of coal and danger. And all the way you could tell if the air was breathable. And the way you could tell the air was breathable was by carrying a canary around you at all times, perched on your leathery coal dust covered finger. Now, you got to really love coal to think that's complimentary. And I don't think, and the proverbial canary in the coal mine is right there. So anybody who's reading that, you would hope that there's some lowly White House staffer who knew that this article was not positive for the president, yet the White House linked to it. So that, and truthfully, that is not even the most incredible item coming out of the White House officialdom this week i thought it was actually more incredible the incredible well 
the incredible statements that the president made sitting next to his Veterans Affairs secretary in a White House meeting with regard to Veterans Affairs. And he looks at him and uh, he's in a meeting there. And he says, oh, yeah, we're going to go to we're going to go down to the wind. This was last Friday. We're going to go down to the Winter White House uh, in Mar-a-Lago. We like to call it that. And we are going to uh, and we're going to have a great meeting. We're going to be with Ike Perlmutter, who's the CEO of Marvel Entertainment, a former uh, who's who's not an American veteran, who's an Israeli veteran, and he says to David Shulkin, the v, the VA uh, secretary, and he says, looks at him and says, "You're coming to that meeting, right? We're going to have a big meeting with regard to the veterans." And Dave Shulkin, David Shulkin is just looking at him and inc- incredible, and just sitting, huh? And he's just shaking his head, "No, he's not going to be there." He says, "Oh, well, I got you, you know." And for some reason, the White House staff just either. The president didn't know whether, and, and, and the amazing part is there was no meeting in the ends. It's been reported. They didn't have that meeting that the president referred to in front of the cameras. In front of the cameras, he's talking about a meeting that actually didn't take place. It was either off the schedule, on the schedule. But wouldn't it be odd, wasn't it an odd moment where the VA secretary sitting next to you, you're talking about a meeting with regard to veterans, you're asking whether he's going to be there or not, he's saying no. It, it's just where is the staff work here? Where are the people who are supposed to prepare the president to let him know what to say and what not to say? You know, it's such a complex job and you know, well, that people, the reason all these people are around the president is so they can make sure that he knows exactly what to say and how to say it and how to, and not to make those types of mistakes, not to be there. And, you know, I have to say, there's a couple things from that, you know. Number one is th- this idea that all the all these important meetings take care, take place at Mar-a-Lago. Number two is he has these outside advisors like Ike Perlmutter, who might be more important than cabinet secretaries. And number three is just the president just doesn't seem to be in touch with the things that are happening in his in his daily schedule, but. Okay, I you know that's the way they're running things, and perhaps that's why they're bringing Ivanka into the White House. Uh, Ivanka Trump uh, is now going to be get a West Wing office. Uh, perhaps that office has been reserved for her for until now. Um, they didn't give it has been empty, so it's not like they're displacing anybody. It's kind of interesting, of course, to note that the president did months ago on Twitter when there was reports during the transition whether his children were getting security clearance. He called that fake news now that Ivanka Trump is getting security clearance. And we see that perhaps that was always going to be the case. But Ivanka Trump was sitting there next to Angela Merkel, the, the chancellor of Germany, at the meeting, and people were wondering, what's she doing there? Why, you know, why is she there? Is she displacing? I mean, she's obviously, the, the seats around these tables are really important, okay? The, the the way people are positioned, and she's sitting directly next to Merkel. She has no position at all, except for being the president's daughter. I have no problem. The president should be able to pick his own advisors. He should be able to pick the people that he wants there. 
The question is, are these people the most qualified in order to do the job that they need to do? And that's that's I'm going to say. I don't know. I mean, that's that's a that's a question for him. That's a question of how he wants to structure things. Uh, I do think we do have anti nepotism laws; those should be abided with. We also have anti corruption laws, conflict of interest laws; those seem to be flattered right now. I that that's not what that's not what bothers me. I just want to make sure that the president is getting the best advice in order to run the country appropriately because there are real issues going on but you could actually see the tension in the meeting the one-on-one meeting between the president and and merkel sitting there he wouldn't even shake her hand and his and they were calling handshake handshake and he says he didn't even know about it but tr- trump just basically didn't respond he the president was just sitting there he just kept looking forward and we don't know what he heard we don't know, but it, it certainly seemed more than awkward, the body language between them. And this is opposed, let's say, to Theresa May, where the the, uh, the Prime Minister of Britain, in their walk out of the Oval Office, they held hands. That was nice. It wasn't just a handshake. They held hands. It was nice. Um, and that's exactly what the alley. Now, of course, we made the British angry with the claims that they tapped the phones of Trump Tower at the bidding of the Obama White House. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see exactly what happens there. Uh, Look, we are in uncharted waters. Let's put it that way. It's really hard to figure out what's going on. It's really hard to figure out this administration, what makes them tick, what makes the president tick. We will see. This is a big week. There's a lot going on. And I will say one thing that, and I think that this is a place, you know, two polar opposites of the political spectrum, uh, President Trump and Mayor de Blasio, when asked essentially after the announcement was made that he was not going to be and people were not going to be indicted in his administration, reporters kept asking him about the report, and hopefully we'll get a little bit more into that in the future, but we were about the report, and he says, people, voters don't care, and they basically decide what the voters don't care, and Trump said it to try to said it as well. People don't care about this all stuff. Well, we'll see, folks. Whether you care out there, whether we know what's going on in 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 the political world, but I will tell you, this has been an interesting week and in uh, politically an interesting week for all that's going on in the I'd say in the circus right now that's going on in Washington. And the truth is, there are some important things that are happening very important things happening in Washington that we all need to focus on. So hopefully we're going to get to that next week. That's it for here on Spin Class here on the Knock Up Single Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs. 